You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Where I am so happy that Doug Branson is not on the podcast with me, as Twitter, <laughs> my timeline, absolutely explodes with bowl bowl content not are you seeing the craziness that is going on as we speak right now with the denver nuggets participating in a scrimmage against the clippers watching one who their starting lineup is as well as who are the guys doing the work for them look here's the thing we're prepping for the show and what do we see come across the timeline but nikola Jokic playing the point guard we have Ball Ball playing the two guard or the three guard. Again, playing the two or the three. I'm not sure at this point. You got Jeremy Grant out there. You got Mason Plumley. Again, and Paul Millsap. Like, tall ball is a thing. Tall ball seems to be a thing, Walker. And I'm kind of surprised. And I'm glad, like, I almost called Doug. I'm kind of glad we didn't, though. I'm kind of um, glad. When we were putting together our Jalen McDaniels episode, which you can expect shortly, uh, seeing the graphic of the starting lineup that the Denver Nuggets released with Jokic at the one, Jeremy Grant at the two, Bol Bol at the three, Paul Millsap at the four, Mason Plumley at the five. I mean, that's the most insane starting lineup I've ever seen. Granted. This isn't a scrimmage before we actually get to meaningful basketball, and yet I don't care. And then how about this? Nada, your boy, Nikias, put out a yeah. clip of Bol Bol <laughs> blocking a shot, grabbing the rebound, dribbling it, by the way, as high as ever, because the dude is 7-1, and he's just lackadaisically dribbling that thing all the way down the court, comes in, one foot leaned in, hits a three, and then walks all the way back to the other end of the court. A guy that blocks a shot comes in and coast to coast just bang from three land. Uh, Doug is Doug has to be the happiest guy in the world as we speak right now. And I'm surprised I haven't heard from him. I'm surprised I'm surprised I haven't heard from him on Twitter. Um, no, I he's being silent. Yeah, getting inhalation. No, like literally, you know that scene from The Water Boy, like, and you know which scene I'm talking about—the scene where the redneck is just. <laughs> Pleasing himself yeah. in his overalls. That's Doug Branson right now. <laughs> He's just staring off in the distance. And uh, not, I don't think anybody thanks you for putting the image in our head of Doug Branson with a nipple piercing. <laughs> We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. Now, I can't get Doug Branson out of my head with nipple rings. I can't do that. I've got a straw hat. You're welcome. I've got the one strap overalls, and I've got him with nipple rings on, with the long hair flowing in the wind, bowl bowl hitting a three, and that's the picture I have of Doug in my head. I'm never going to be able to look at bowl bowl the same. Let's get to somebody else that I'm pretty happy about, a guy that I was happy with his performance this past season, Nada, and Jalen McDaniels is the guy. We did the spinning wheel of names. Jalen McDaniels comes up, and it's one of the more interesting names. It was honestly, if you were to put together a hierarchy of the names that I was uh, looking forward to most to talking about, Jalen McDaniels would have been up there because it's a second-round pick. Someone yes. that barely was even drafted. I mean, not even just a second-round pick. It's a guy that could have theoretically gone undrafted had the Hornets not come in in the 50s and decided to select him. 
We'll get to the narrative-based stuff in uh, the second segment because there are some interesting things to talk about him with the news that was surrounding him as he was trying to even make it to the Hornets roster with some of the legal trouble that he was getting to. But let's go through the numbers. Yeah. So he's, he first plays with the G League, basically. He plays two games before that last 14-game stretch where he played every single one of those contests. Yeah. The Hornets decided to go to youth at the end of the season. It was, in that, it was in that Dallas game in February where they decided to fully shift to youth. And that's when Jalen McDaniels played 14 consecutive games. He had two other appearances before we got to that 14-game stretch. Mm-hmm. It was actually the second game of the season that he played um, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Played almost three minutes, hit the field goal out of the two that he took, had a rebound. Then the next time he would play was on December 15th against Indiana on the road. You know, nothing, who cares, right? Those are garbage yeah. time minutes. I don't really evaluate really what he did in those contests. Um, but in the G League, this is where he's sent. This is where he plays pretty much the entire season until the last 14-game stretch. In the G League, he puts up 16 points per game, 15.9 mm-hmm. to be exact. He shoots 43.9% from the field, shoots 37.6% from beyond the arc, eight rebounds per game, had an 18 rebounding percentage, a 108 offensive rating, and a 110 defensive rating, which the ratings aren't great. It's Greensboro Swarm, whatever. Yeah. Those are some of the numbers that we can get to. And we also have to factor in that that Greensboro Swarm were one of the pacier teams when we start talking about what their pace of play, so that may – affect defensive rating per se no that's a good point and so you look at Jalen McDaniels what he did once he got to the NBA and stayed there in that that really what we talked about in the last stretch of the season uh it's Jalen McDaniels total numbers in the NBA shot 47 percent from the field on four and a half uh, attempts per game um fantastic yes Uh, played 18 minutes per game when he was playing shot 37.5% from the field overall, averaged 5.6 points per game, 4.1 rebounds per game, shot 82% from the charity stripe only on just over one attempt per game. His effective field goal percentage was almost 54. And that's the total numbers of Jalen McDaniels. They actually get better if you just go to the last 14 games. He actually shoots 39% if you just include the last 14 now, those numbers are really good. Granted, yes. it's a crazy small sample size. It's not mm-hmm. like you look at that and say, here's what you can expect for the rest of his career. But if you start to look at some of the other things that he gave you, um, one, the interesting thing about his threes was all of his threes uh, were of the catch-and-shoot variety. All of his threes also, Nada, were open. According to NBA.com, there would, and that's classified with guys that are within a certain amount of feet away from you. All of his threes were of the catch-and-shoot variety. All of them were open in the 14 games that he played. They happened to be, um, again, ever since they decided to go to youth in, in February. He had a couple of good ones. I like that game against San Antonio. We had a game with five of his nine rebounds coming on, mm-hmm. the, offensive, uh, on the offensive end. He had five assists in that game as well. We know that the shooting was something that I think was one of the most impressive things about him when he played for the Hornets. I really like him, Nada. I think this is someone that defensively showed a lot of instincts. I think it's someone that had a really good rebounding percentage, uh, almost a 20 defensive rebounding percentage when he came up to the NBA, just a tick below what he did with the G League. It's someone that obviously needs to get stronger. He's he's rail thin, 205 Mm -hmm. pounds, uh, being pretty much 6'10". I, I like what he can do on the wing. 
I think he needs to work a lot on his handles. But if you're asking me how pleased I am with a guy that almost didn't get drafted, extremely pleased with what we saw from him with the big boy club last year. I, I don't understand how you're not pleased with him. And considering – and the thing is, and we'll get into this in the second se- uh, segment, he probably shouldn't have been here. He probably shouldn't have been drafted. But the fact that he was drafted and the fact that he showed out pretty well. And the, the thing is, you can see all the foundation being laid in Greensboro. Again, we go back to it. He was hitting almost 38% as a guy that wasn't really a distant shooter coming out of college for San Diego State, the rebounding percentage is something that for someone as rail thin as he is, for at least the Greensboro part of his, his tenure, almost 18%, close to 20% rebound percentage, that's pretty good for someone of that size, and that's only going to get bigger. So when we start talking about guys with room to grow – legitimately probably the guy that we first need to start talking about is a guy like Jalen McDaniels because otherwise like there's no one I would say with his potential on this roster and that's saying a lot for the roster that they have right now well I mean for me the the obvious thing he needs to work on is his handles I mean again you're having all of the threes come about from the catch and shoot variety and I don't think he's the greatest passer. I actually think he's okay, but it's not like he's taking you off the dribble and making plays for anybody. I don't think anybody's going to mistake him for a playmaker, but it is someone that was ready to shoot. A couple mm-hmm. of things that we can get to in the second segment was how ready he was, but I, I think just kind of evaluating what he did in some of these games, I thought he played really well against the Toronto Raptors. I think on both ends of the floor, it, we can talk about him not being strong enough but also, like, I think we kind of we, – we talk about guys not being physical when they're just not strong. Like, I, I don't think, think Jalen McDaniels is weak-minded. I don't think that this is someone that's scared. I don't think he's soft by any means. He's just not strong. Like, he's just yeah. going to get pushed around, and that's something that he needs to do. He needs to put some more weight on him quite a bit. Like, I, I mean, yeah. hell, 20 pounds. <laughs> I mean, he's At so minimum, thin. Yeah, yeah but – but I don't think that it's someone that's soft because of his rail thin size. Like it's somebody that can actually go in and get nasty. I remember in that Raptors game, I forget who the player was, but he did a really good job on a fast break um, where he's playing some transition defense. I, I just saw a lot of really good things from him where he wasn't scared at the moment and he comes in and man, he delivers and he comes up with some great numbers. Yeah. It's 14 games, 16 games overall, 14. That means something. So it's not like you look into the numbers and expect him to shoot almost 50% from the field for the rest of next season. But hell, not. I mean, those are crazy numbers to come in. And you know what? Jalen McDaniels was a guy that Borrego would go to pretty much. I mean, man, he might have been the sixth man in spots. Yeah, exactly. Jalen McDaniels immediately. And they were winning games. Like, McDaniels was a part of this contribution. He was contributing and winning basketball games where he was the guy that was the first call up off of the bench. That means something to me. That means something. And it also, when we start talking about his defense, defensive ability, there's a lot of this that when we start going, like delving into and diving into the footage, he was getting better in terms of, again, closing out and attacking closeouts on offense as well. And he was finally starting to get an idea of how to use his length. And I think that's the biggest thing for someone that's 6'10 with the wingspan like his 
when you start understanding what you can do with your length, when you can start affecting shots on the defensive end, when you can start moving, getting your arms in the passing lanes and creating deflections, he's only going to get better on defense once he starts realizing where he has to be and once he puts in that film time. And he's one of those guys, when we start talking about the nine months layoff, where him being in the film room, that might not necessarily be the worst thing for him going forward. So when we start talking about guys that might benefit from nine months off in terms of a weight training program, in terms of a film, film program, and, and basically in terms of a lot of things, he might benefit from this going into next season. And that's something I think we should be looking forward to. Yeah, and, and you, you look at his offensive box plus minus, it was minus 3.3. His defensive box plus minus was just a solid zero. So mm-hmm. I, I, the offensive end, I don't – honestly, I think some of that is, is a little bit on James Brago just because the way that McDaniels was used. And also you just kind of look at, you know, sometimes you can't – just whatever, right? Like I don't, I don't read anything into that. It's hard to read into a ton on these stats. But when you look at McDaniels, even just – having him go through the eye test not a I thought that was a nice shot I, I I like his shooting form and you know it's it's somebody that improved quite a bit I, I'm a fan of what Jalen McDaniels did for the Charlotte Hornets this season let's get into some of the storyline based stuff coming up in the next segment and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things that were surrounding him besides just diving into the numbers that's coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Let's go all the way back to the beginning with Jalen McDaniels, Nada, because This is someone that was, again, almost not drafted. It was very late in the process before the Hornets decided to use a pick on him. Then you get to the point where we're talking about your summer league roster and you're talking about even to the preseason roster getting to the point where what is Jalen McDaniel's role going to be with this team? I remember the Hornets, you know, signing Ahmed Hill the Virginia Tech mm-hmm. product, having him play, um, I think, with the Nets in the summer league, and then the Hornets took a chance on him. Like, the Hornets were bringing in quite a bit of guys, and they weren't bringing in Jalen McDaniels. No. And part of the reason of that was because he was going through some legal trouble. So Jalen McDaniels was sued because of an allegation that he was hiding in the closet, recording one of his teammates have sex. And that female that was – having sex with the said teammate, sued Jalen McDaniels, and you know, they had to go through all that entire legal process. I will say this, not a, it seemed like some of the comments that were reported from McDaniels and when he you know, talked about it a little bit, he seemed to own it, and it doesn't make anything okay here by any stretch of the imagination. It's just how much responsibility do you take for the mistakes that you made? He comes in, he does seem to own it, it is someone that James Borrego talked about being extremely coachable, just wanting to soak up everything like a sponge. Mm-hmm. Nick Friedman, uh, the confidant between, for the players between the NBA and the G League, he called Nick Friedman like a brother because of how yes. hard they worked and the close relationship that they were able to build. 
it, it seems like McDaniels made a huge mistake and it's something that he's going to have to live with and something he should live with and hopefully, you know, never go anywhere close to that kind of decision-making again. But there was a lot of bad press surrounding there was. McDaniels and it's, and it's someone that just seemed to rise above that. It's, it's not a big enough name for there to be a crazy amount of criticism, right? Like it, yeah. it's Jalen McDaniels. It's the last second round pick. So it's not like we were, he had to live with it constantly um, as far as the, the media goes, but he definitely had bad press surrounding him. I think that that was the first thing you thought of when you thought of Jalen McDaniels. And I don't think that's the first thing you think of anymore. No, it's not the first thing you think of. And that's a testament to him, quite honestly. And when we start talking about a guy like Jalen McDaniels and a guy that has worked his way in, because I remember we were recording, I believe, with Brendan Marks last year and before the season started last year. And there were questions whether he was going to be on this team. And like you said earlier, we ended up, uh, again, most likely, like the biggest thing that I would just remember about that time was, like you said, he was hidden a lot. And when you start talking mm -hmm. about a guy that's hidden and no one necessarily is just enjoying, well, I would just say this. There was a time where we were worried he wasn't going to be on this team. And the fact that we know him more as a potential prospect is a testament to Greensboro. Like you said, Nick Friedman, who worked with him constantly, the system of Greensboro, which, again, is going to have to be the crux of player development going forward. And it's just funny just watching this guy develop because the first question I have is, we, we've seen something like this before where a certain second-round pick that went unheralded ended up taking the final, I don't know, 12 to 20 games and used that to work on his game and get even better to where he became an all, a damn near all-star in Devontae Graham. And it just makes me ask you the question, could Jalen McDaniels be the next Devontae Graham for this team? Yeah, and you look at Jalen McDaniels. I'm trying to find some of these quotes from from what McDaniels had to say. He and, and for a long time he would say, "quote You know, I can't really talk about it. Hopefully, there is a time I can come out and say things, but right now I just can't." Um, you know, I, I know that back. You know, when he was back at San Diego State, he was you know, his Brian Dutcher, who you might remember from the Fab Five documentary mm -hmm. under Steve Fisher. You know, he was somebody that's saying, "I'm not going to make him come and talk about something like that right now." It's it's the whole legal process coming out I, I do think that I remember McDaniel saying something that like he did learn from his mistakes I think that's something that he did say but I can't find it anyways yeah McDaniels you know comes in and it's somebody that isn't even I'm looking at the transaction list nada it's someone that's not even signed to the first contract until two days before the season starts against the Chicago Bulls like it was so late in the process before he was brought on so now you have McDaniels as a guy who you feel good about the other second round pick that you have, Cody Martin, I think you feel really good about as well. Mm -hmm. And you look at the front court, a lot of switchy dudes. You know, PJ yes. Washington, we talk about the redundancy. Miles Bridges, Cody Martin, a little bit more in the backcourt where he can handle the ball a little bit. You know, McDaniels is down there. You talk about the first round pick, you know, he could be a part of that front court. Um, you know, how crowded is this going to be? Nada. You lose Dwayne Bacon, I think. I don't think he's going to be on the team this season or next season. But, you know, how crowded does this front court get if you're talking about some of these second rounders actually flourishing and you're, and you're thinking, yeah, you're, they, they could have a, a real impact on this team? That's what scares me about this team right now is because you've got a guy like 
Miles Bridges were, again, like you said, Miles, PJ, whatever the first round pick, if it's Wiseman, it make, again, that's where I hate to say it, but Wiseman makes more sense because Wiseman has a position on this team going forward. If you drafted Obi Toppin, where does he play? If you draft, um, if you draft a four, literally, you have created a, such a large glut that you're going to have to, again, it signals to everyone else that you have to be trading somebody. It also wouldn't preclude me to say if Golden State's like number one and they want to get better and no draft pick is going to help them, if you wanted to trade up for a LaMelo ball, that's the team I'm kind of targeting. And that's where a guy like Jalen McDaniels might help sweeten the pot going forward because he's a guy that you can develop on the low who's also not going to cost you much and may help grease the skis in terms of moving up for a pick. So someone's going to have to move at some point. It may be this year. It may be next year. But this is a very crowded front court right now, and that's what scares me about it. Yeah, I, I think the, the the guy that might get interesting, you know, down there when you're talking about the three fours. Um, yeah, well, okay, who are the three fours on this team? It, it's Miles Bridges that we mentioned, PJ Washington, with sometimes also playing five. Yeah, it's Jalen McDaniels as the three four, and I think the other guys you can kind of tab as maybe the two threes with the Cody yeah. Martin. I think kind of fitting that bill. Kobolka, if he ever comes. Kubota. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah. I honestly don't even know if that happens anymore. But That's when you're talking too. about um, when you're talking about some of these draft picks that we've talked about, the prospects, there's a lot of guys that have kind of fit that two-three mold with some even you know ball handling capabilities. In the case of uh, Killian Hayes, who who mm -hmm. might I don't know if the Hornets are going to select him, but just just kind of interesting to note how all of these pieces fit together because as the Hornets are rightfully saying, they're not going to draft for position need. You know, they're going yeah. to draft the, the most talented player whoever they deem that to be and you know you could have a lot of players that uh, switchability is not bad but you're talking about all of these guys being on the team you might feel good about but you might feel good about them being a trade piece instead of all of them being on this team for the next few years and that's something Doug and I talked about where yeah we can we can feel good about it and we not with a purpose but we just kind of talk about them as guys that could be a piece on this team but also you know, yeah, they could absolutely be used as a trade piece to go somewhere else um, because you're just going to have, you know, too many guys that look yeah. the same in some areas. Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's what got this, this Hornets team in trouble is they had too many guys that were either playing one way or that were too many in the same position. You only have five guys and you only have so many separate, separate roles. And when it comes to that, this is where I start when we start talking about the draft. This is where it gets interesting because this is why I don't think the Hornets go and draft an OB Toppin because he doesn't make sense for them. He's not necessarily a center. At some point, you have to, again, while you're not necessarily drafting for, I would say, roster fit, again, while you're not drafting for talent, per se, you're not also, you can't ignore roster fit. So, yeah, so the question to me becomes, you know, how much – does the center that is also pretty talented subconsciously push you to that specific position at, at some point do you meet do, do those things come together where you kind of talk yourself into a James Wiseman or an Anyeka Kongwu when you know you might have a wing that's a little bit higher but you're like yeah but we really need that position uh screw it we'll just take the five 
I just wonder if that's something that leaks into Mitch Kupchak's brain or if he sticks true to it and says, nope, I don't care if they're only a couple of spots apart. We have this wing ahead of the five. And sure enough, that's who we're going to take because we think he has the better chance of becoming a really good player in the NBA draft. I think that's something we have to uh, – I think that's something that's worth yes, um, yes. mentioning. That's absolutely worth mentioning because, again – Here's the thing. If Jalen McDaniels explodes and he prevent, and if Mitch thinks that Jalen McDaniels is a better option going forward for this team than a Denny or an Anthony Edwards. And granted, either one of those, if Mitch makes that decision, he's going to have to just, then McDaniels is going to have to justify that one. But when we start talking about that and when we get to the conversation about the Martin twins at some point, we're going to have the same conversation. Are the Martin twins good enough to preclude you from drafting a LaMelo Ball, a Killian Hayes, a Halliburton, one of those type of guys? Because if they are, then at another point, what point is there to draft? Again, you basically telegraphing that you are drafting a center and center only. And that I do, I'm not sure fits with what they, they're trying to do right now, you know? Uh, yeah, uh, no, it, it'll be interesting to see. And of course, you're still going to take those guys. It's just, you know, do you think that you're a better team, obviously, what you're trying to do with the draft? Do you think you're a better team playing these guys, thinking and having so much faith in your developmental program that they continue to develop and then you just go get the talented dude at the five position? We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with one more final segment. I want to continue to talk about the Nuggets starting lineup as well as just the NBA returning today with some exhibition games really just um, just a little bit over a week away from actual real NBA basketball. It's crazy that we're here right now after all we've went through through the pandemic. It's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. SGA, 20 points, 20 rebounds, triple-double. I don't have a question. Oh, I just wanted to throw that in the face. middle of the arena. God almighty. Oh, oh, that knife. It hurt. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Exhibition games are going to be on NBA TV. As we mentioned, as we're recording this right now, the first game that was showcased was it was going to be the Clippers and the Magic, as well as the Nuggets that were also playing. I'm trying to think, of, I'm trying to pull up this, but my internet's not working. So fantastic there. Um, Thursday on July 23rd, that'll be tomorrow. The Trailblazers are going to be playing against the Indiana Pacers at 3.30, followed by the Lakers versus the Dallas Mavericks. That will be at 7 p.m. You get, on Sunday, a quadruple header. Philadelphia 76ers facing OKC. It'll be then the Pacers and the Maver uh, Mavericks at 4 p.m. Trailblazers against the Raptors at 6. Rockets versus the Grizzlies at 8. And then on Tuesday, July 28th, you will have the Grizzlies against the Heat at 2 p.m., followed by the Spurs meeting the Pacers at 4 p.m. Then we start to get to some real NBA basketball. Nada, how good does it feel to actually have clips and analysis all across your timeline? I like how everybody now yes. is throwing out their analysis on these two teams because it's the only thing that we have right now. We're treating it like a primetime game. As we should. As we should. This league is back, guys. This league Twitter is back, and I'm very, very happy because you know what? It was better than being sad and being miserable and again, everybody possibly testing positive in this bubble not working. I like this timeline a lot better because there is hope. And y'all know me. I don't deal in hope very often. But you know what? This one time, I'm going to deal in hope. And you know what? Well, I'm going to be happy about this. Please well, yeah, let, let me, me be happy. 
no oh yes nada i think i think we all want you to be happy i think we, we don't we want you to give in to hope sometimes let me ask you this how much hope have you given into because of the zero positive coronavirus test that we saw out of the over 340 players and personnel that were tested at orlando we got zero nada how much hope do you have in this thing actually working because of those results you know i i, I have a ton of hope a lot of hope but you know what gave me more hope in Devontae Graham potentially winning a most improved player? <laughs> What's that? The, the S'more Grams commercial that I saw, the viral video I saw with EC. We see you, EC. We see you hustling out there. That was well, a beautiful video. That I was mean, a beautiful. The marketing team has been appropriately, constantly heralded as one of the best out there with Big Al's paint can. We can all remember mm-hmm. Kimball Walker. And, and, and when they tried to get him the most improved player of the year award as well, that was an awesome T-shirt. I can remember getting a couple of years ago. And I think Hornets are going to be doing a drop-off tomorrow. So I should have some pretty cool s'mores gear tomorrow. When they wait, 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 wait. You have more s'mores. <laughs> You're getting some- Yo, you're sharing that, right? We're I, sharing that. If I get some more, yeah, I'll send them along with the with the built bars that we sent you, Nada. That's what I'll I'll send. I you haven't gotten that. those yet. I'm very really? very ups- no, I have not gotten those yet. I have to get on Doug for that. Yeah, well, yes. Just just check with that package, and you should have the s'mores gear as well. All right, Nada. Let's go to the spinning wheel of names so we can try to figure out who the next player we are going to talk about is. Can't wait! Can't wait! Can't wait! Yep. Big money, spinning the wheel. Big money, big money, no whammies, no whammies. We're slowing down. Dwayne Bacon. Oh, Dwayne boy. Bacon is what it's going to settle on. So Dwayne Bacon, Bacon, come on down to the purple and teal table. <laughs> that's a guy that's probably not even going to be on the team next year, but we will still evaluate him. I, I do like talking about Bacon just because yeah. his career was, was so odd to me, uh, just the way that it, it's fluctuated with expectations, what he actually did on the court. Um, I do enjoy talking about Dwayne Bacon's career, even if it's not exactly for the best in the It's not a happy subject. Bacon. No, it's, it's, not. it's not. Certainly not at the end of all of this. Thanks again for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And thanks to you guys for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of uh, Lockdown NBA. Play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA, really any show that's out there on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It'll be Dwayne Bacon and that player capsule evaluation coming up tomorrow. We'll see you then. Ooh. Mm-hmm.